Hello and welcome to Get Informed America, the show that breaks through the mainstream media box to bring you real smart news. Hi, I'm Dave Oakenquist and joining me is the editor of InformedAmerican.com, Mr. Rodney Johnson. Rodney, how are you? I'm doing well, Dave. How are you? I'm great. You know, Rodney is the smartest man I know, so I thought it was a, it'd be a good time to do things a little bit different here. Um, we haven't done a mailbag episode in quite some time. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Rodney. By the way, Rodney never knows, just so everybody knows. Rodney never knows what I'm going to throw at him uh, when we come onto the show. It's sort of a little bit of our uh, technique is to do it blind. Um, so we're going to go through the mailbag. I'm going to read some of those responses. And actually, to be quite honest, I'm going a little blind myself. <laughs> I haven't read all of these. I've read, I've read a portion of these. And we're just going to, I'm going to read these and we're going we're to give our just uh, our visceral reactions or, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're going we're gonna to go through. Uh, I also have one other topic, Rodney, that I did, uh, one, one from uh, informedamerican.com that I do want to hit um, and uh, on the topic of censorship. So maybe yeah. you can, you can prepare your brain a little bit for that. Let, 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 let the gears turn in the background um, as, as I go through, right? You don't see too enthused about this process. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we will see what happens. We're going to do, we're going to change things up a little bit, have a little bit of fun. Uh, and as actually Rodney and I did speak a little bit beforehand, it's been kind of a slow week. We had the holiday uh, and uh, so n not too much going on, at least this week in the world. So it'd be some good time to uh, be a good time rather to, to look at some of the feedback we've gotten from all of you. And by by the way, you can send that feedback to info uh, at informedamerican.com. Uh, that that uh, you could send basically that email comes right to my inbox, and uh, I will I will read them, and uh, and then we certainly let them we let them pile up just a little bit, and then uh, we have Rodney here to help uh, give his take. So all of you of uh, all of you um, are are informed Americans, and uh, you all have a, a valid opinion on the stuff that's going on day to day. And uh, so with that, Rodney, are you ready to roll? Yep, ready to go. Okay. Uh, so, uh, okay, so this one's on the topic of masks. Uh, this one comes from Nelson. He says, folks, I'm 80 years old, Vietnam vet. I have hearing loss um, and masks mute a person's voice so much that I can't make out what they're saying. Most people are very kind and move their masks to me. Not only that, but the masks don't do anything to prevent the spread of COVID. Uh, we're walking around like sheep. Rodney, have you, I've found this to be a problem. I, I frequent the gas station a lot. I buy a lot of ticket or, or something. And the lady behind the counter, what do you think of, uh, what do you think of the ability for us to communicate with each other with masks? Well, first, I think it's a little weird that you spend so much time at a gas station. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> uh, but uh, beyond that, um, I agree with him. It makes it hard. I, my wife and I were actually um, just at a restaurant, and we had this exact thing happen with the person taking our order. Yeah. Um, I will take a little issue with him saying that it doesn't stop the spread. It, it mm. does. I mean, it's not 100%, right? But it does stop particulates at some level. So there, there is some benefit from this. Uh, but you know what? Uh, making do is the name of the game here, right? <laughs> if you have to take off your mask to talk and be heard right, you just do it and you move on. We're all trying to make the best we can with what we got. Yeah, well, you know, Nelson's not, al not alone. We got a comment here from... Uh from Norman. Now he says the world's six top epidemiologists, he doesn't cite who they are, but uh, he says that the, apparently the top six epidemiologists have said that masks don't do any good. So we've got another one there. Uh, and then uh, and then Norman also tacks on that it helps it harder to identify uh, Antifa protesters. And I, I, I do agree there, Norman, though, though they're typically wearing the, uh, the black uh, balaclava or whatever. I'm not sure that it's the balaclava that makes them hard to identify. I think it's the goggles and the helmet and the complete black <laughs> yeah. wear, the fact that they operate at night, 
and the fact that nobody's looking. Who's going out and trying to find out who these people are to basically corral them and put them in jail? That would be no one. So that's what makes it hard. Yeah, I agree. All right, we got another one here. This is a. Uh, By this the way, a, just oh. to say, we can make this easier. Day glow orange paint. Pop them with a paint. <laughs> chase them down. I'm yeah. all about this. It will make them much easier to spot when they're running away in the smoke. When the guy who threw that, you know, full can of soda at you is covered in day glow orange paint. I think there's something to that. I do too. And I, you know, we're solving one problem or, or pro- every problem one, one at a time here, Rodney. We're going to fix the world. Uh, this one's on mail-in voting. Uh, the coronavirus outbreak, so close to the election, uh, I'm sure this mail-in issue was planned from the outbreak. The Dems have used the corona card uh, as part of their arsenal, saying as they use the race card to their advantage. Disgusting, but true. Doesn't seem to bother the Dems to join the rioters. Sorry, I mean protesters without masks and rub elbows. Uh, it doesn't seem to help their sick agenda. They sing a different time. They're so ashamed I was a Democrat. So um, what do you think? I mean, I would call this don't let a crisis go to waste, right? Do you, you don't think there was any planning there? I, I see it more of that uh, don't let a crisis go to waste. What do you think? Well, I agree. I, I, I've always said about most conspiracy theories, you can't get people to agree on where to go to dinner or you can get <laughs> thousands of people to agree to keep a secret on how they're going to subvert the nation. Uh, but to the point of, you know, the mail-in voting, it is a crisis. I, I completely agree with that, but it's a crisis of a 40-year making. The mail situation is awful. And it has to do with this rickety thing that we call the Postal Service that's been running along on a can of tuna fish and a pack of chewing gum because <laughs> we starve it of revenue and then expect it's going to work well. And we combine it with states who say, and by the way, there are several states that do this, you can uh, request an absentee ballot the day before the election. How in the world is that going to get to the person and back in time? It's not. But we know why. We know why. So that way they can count the ballot two weeks later. Ah, look, we got this truck full of Biden ballots that we just found. I mean, we come on now. Let's not you're, let's you're not play dumb here. Conspiracy theorists. Oh, oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, but but to the point, everything in this life is a trade-off. Everything. And so if you want mail-in ballots, which I'm actually a fan of, uh-huh. if they were handled properly, right. make it to where they have to be requested at least two weeks ahead of the election, yep. and they must be postmarked at least seven days ahead of the election, and you will receive none uh, closer than two days to the election. So if the post office doesn't deliver them, it's just out. Yep. Just out. And you have to start processing them as soon as you get them, which is the other issue. Several states don't process them until election day. And so they're by definition saying if there's a lot, we're not going to know until, you know, the, at least the next day, if not several days later. So there's a way to handle it. Just recognize the trade off and make it smart. Let, let's do that. Let's make it smart. Uh, I do have some more points here, but just go back just one sec. I'm not sure if there was a few, a few criteria you mentioned. I don't know if you mentioned this exactly, but uh, uh, my opinion is everything has to be counted by a certain time. Um, what do you think of that? I say I call it 10, 10 p.m. After that, sorry, or just midnight or something. Uh, well, if you're not, I mean, the, the polls close. And right. so uh, you call it when the polls close. Now, granted, uh, even the polls closing, they're not going to turn voters away. And so I don't, I don't like the hard and fast rules for things like that. Remember in the 2016 election, uh, we had some hiccups at different polling stations where people were lined up until midnight. I'm not turning those people away, right? If you, as long as you got in line before the end moment of the poll, say it was 10 p.m. or 9 p.m., whatever it was, you should be counted in your vote trying to exercise your constitutional right. Uh, but I'm. Well, what I if they were in line in the other county? And 
What if they were in line in the other county and now they get in line at, at your county? What do we do about that? <laughs> well, they only vote once, Dave. Let's, do let's, they? Let's not start with the <laughs> idea. Well, okay, so, so on that, uh, in a way to maybe prevent my conspiracy theories from flourishing, this one that says the only way mail-in voting is could work is if every American citizen has a, has a voter ID, an ID number on it. If a mail ballot does not have the ID number, they are not counted. If that uh, ID number, okay, so this is basically the issue there. Uh, and the other one here is yeah, basically voter ID. Um, and, uh, well, but to that point, and I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, we haven't done a good job of reconciling the idea of mail doesn't always go where it's intended. And so you move and are you certain that your mail is going to follow you? Or are you certain that the, you know, the voter election process in your county or parish in Louisiana is going to say, oh, that person no longer lives in the jurisdiction, so they don't get one. Right. So there's, there's some, some fluff in the system that we haven't worked out. That for absentee ballots, a few mail-in ballots, it's not a big deal. But when you start talking millions of mail-in ballots as an institution, this is a big deal. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, it's just so funny the way we get I mean, the voter ID, I mean, and there's another comment here about pets and uh, dead people voting. Um, I mean, I think we there could be, I mean, we're needed, do we need a national system then? Is that what we need? Well, a national voter registration system. I, I don't know that I'm going there. I'm, I'm all about Why? local control. Um, well, because then you start getting into the, the control of many things just creep up to the national level. It's, it's the unknown, right? We're back in the Donald Rumsfeld world of the unknown unknown. Oh, it's like, well, what could possibly go wrong? Well, if <laughs> I could estimate all the things that could go wrong, I would be a really smart guy, right? And so, um, I just, I would much rather control be as local as possible. Rodney, what if someone says they just can't get an ID? What's your response to them? That it's not true. Uh, <laughs> anyone can get an ID. I, well, we know it to be a fact that you can go down to your local uh, sheriff's office, I believe. Uh, in Texas, it's the Department of Licenses or whatever does it now. And you can get an ID as long as you have paperwork on, you know, whatever it is, your birth certificate, this, that, and the other. You say, well, I don't have those things. Well, very few people are not going to have access to those things. You, you can get them from your county of birth. You can get them, uh, of course, Social Security card from Social Security Administration. Uh, so you can get those things. It doesn't mean it's easy. It takes some time. But guess what? It takes time to get a driver's license. You yeah, well, what, what do people say they don't have money for that? Uh, mm -hmm. So this is a poll tax because uh, I don't uh, have money. I don't believe it costs anything. I, 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 and I don't know that for sure, um, but I don't believe you have to pay anything to give a government-issued ID. Uh, I'm not sure. Well, for a driver's license, you do, but just a plain ID, I don't but know about a, that. Yeah, a driver's license is a is a privilege that then right. pays for other things, roads, and all sorts of stuff. But just yeah. a straight up ID that's issued by the county, I, I'm not, I'm not sure that that costs anything. Uh, I don't have the exact. I think it would vary uh, place to place. Uh, should voting be easier or harder? Um. I don't, I don't understand the question. Easy or harder in what way? Well, things like the hurdles of uh, finding my birth certificate, uh, maybe having to prove who I am to maybe register for some sort of a, a database that can verify me uh, versus, uh, you know, expanding the franchise as, long, as far as possible, recognizing that there may be some people, but, uh, but, but, the, but the idea of, uh, the, on one hand, we have the secure vote, um, 
uh, a verifiable vote, maybe even by a blockchain or something like that, uh, but which may require citizens to do things like prove who they are uh, beyond a reasonable doubt sort of a thing versus let's just err on the side of expanding the franchise to as many people as possible, even knowing that maybe uh, there might be some, let's just call it wiggle room in there. I don't see those as, as opposite. Uh, so there was, of course, you know, um, a time in the United States and call it pre 1970s, maybe pre pre 50s, uh, when documentation was not nearly as, as um, broad. Right. And so people did live without actual documentation of some sort. That's been a long time ago. That's been a really long time ago. And so you need a number to do most everything. You need a number. You need a social security number to get a job. You just mm-hmm. do. You have to put something down. <laughs> you put something. Although not everybody with a job has a valid social security number. There we go again. <laughs> and so the point is, you know, this there there is a mechanism for you know being counted and and verified. Yeah. And so I don't think that that is disenfranchising. I, I've always thought it's pretty simple to do this. And so, yeah, we should require voter ID. I, I think it's pretty straightforward. Okay, great. Uh, now, uh, another wrinkle to, to voting, and we've got a comment here from uh, Carol who says, um, normally I'd want to vote in person. However, I'm likely to be voting by mail. Why? Uh, after, uh, this is basically from a week ago or, or so, um, uh, from R- R- Rand Paul's confrontation with the leftist radicals, I think referring to the Trump uh, acceptance speech at the White House lawn, uh, she continues, uh, I fear for my safety and even the safety for my car in the parking lot. There is a reason there's uh, supposed to be security at the polls. Um, now, n- not this example specifically about people uh, choosing to vote by mail um, because they're afraid of what might happen at the polls, but I think it's a legit question about what we might see on election day. It's my contention. Uh, this is going to be, well, it's certainly going to be a big fight. There's going to be cries of voter intimidation, uh, uh, fraud going on. And I think we're going to see, at least in the big cities, we're going to see some uh, big demonstrations on both sides. Uh, what, what do you think of that? The safety of people going to the polls and do you expect to see chaos uh, on the night of election night? So I think there is. And, and I think it's really unfortunate. And we've sown those seeds, right? By allowing uh, r- protests to turn into riots without any um, ramification, we've created a situation where people feel free to do a lot of things. And one of them is going to be to stand near polling stations and scream and yell. And so we've had this before. We had this in the 60s. And so I, I think this is coming back and it's going to be pretty ugly. Uh, my response to her, uh, I like to vote by mail when I can. Uh, I don't live in a state where I can now. Um, but I fully intend to vote early. Uh, I will yeah. not be standing in line on election no, night. Me I'll, pick, I'll pick an odd Tuesday afternoon to go to the polls and cast my ballot so that hopefully I don't have a line or have a short one and there's not anybody there. And it's going to be in the middle of the day. That's for sure. Yeah, certainly. And by the way, you can send, uh, just to repeat again, you can send all your comments and questions to info at informedamerican.com. Uh, this may be a regular thing, Rodney. I'm having a little bit of fun here. Uh, I got one more. Uh, this, this is uh, on the world of finance and the Dodd-Frank bill, Rodney. So I'll be interested to get your, your thoughts on this. Uh, says when uh, Obama fraudulently, fraudulently as president signed the Dodd-Frank bill, which Congress crafted, the bill became law. 
Uh, it says basically if banks de- de- declare bankruptcy, the people's checking and savings accounts can be recharacterized. Uh, that means they can move your money because you're now classified as a bank investor and you have no more money in your checking and saving accounts because by law it has been recharacterized and, and now you and your money uh, are now investors such as open to legal action against the bank. Do you know any possibility that your money is being ri- is at risk uh, should the bank declare bankruptcy? Um, so this is the, calling this the U.S. scheme to confiscate your savings. Just got the perfect cover. So, uh, Rodney, what do, what do you what do you make of this take? Is that true? Uh, is that true? It's in the provision of the Dodd Frank bill, and um, is are people's savings at risk from a bank failure? So uh, this is an interesting question, and you are now stretching my memory because I was around and, of course, lived through the uh, the downturn, the Great Financial Crisis, and the uh, Consumer Finance Protection Board, and all those other things that came out of Dodd Frank. Yeah, uh, my. I'm, I'm going to speak to this in general terms, but I remember something about this where if you had more than $100,000 individually or $200,000 as a couple or joint account in a bank, then anything over $100,000 could be, as he says, recharacterized as you know a creditor of the bank. You become one more creditor uh, of the bank. And this happened. Not here. This happened in... Um, the Cyprus? Cyprus. This happened yeah. in Cyprus. Uh, and so uh, you, you did see this where people who had uh, more than 100,000 euros were reclassified and became uh, investors in the bank. And so I'm going to tell a side story about that and then get back to this. Yeah. Oddly, Cyprus is a place where many Russian mobsters hide their money. And so they had it in the banks. And so when they swept that to the banks to save the banks, and these people then were creditors slash investors of the bank. Everybody thought, wow, you took mobster money. What they really did was make the mobsters bankers. It turned into the worst <laughs> deal because now the mobsters controlled the banks. Nice. It was the dumbest thing. Um, but that, that I don't think that's going to happen here, right? Um, I, I don't think that that's going to happen here. Uh, there's, there's uh, of course, FDIC insurance up to $100,000. If you have more than that in a straight-up checking account or a savings account, you can always do other things with your money. One of them is CDs. Okay. There's a program called um, Cedars, and I won't go through the whole thing, but you can get up to $50 million backed by the federal government this way that takes it out of the hands of the individual bank. So there are very simple ways to get around this. So if that's a concern, you can certainly work on it. Okay. Well, good. good. So good on there. So that's some useful information there. Uh, and you never, it's good to be aware of, you know, what, what could potentially happen. Uh, and if you are, you know, maybe a higher net worth individual and concerned about that, then that's a path you can take. Thank you, Ronnie. And this is why, see this. And if you have $50 million, good for you. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> that's Put good. it all on your checking account. Yes. Uh, and see, you it really uh, confirming uh, being the smartest person I know, you were able to uh, get a cogent answer there. Uh, so, okay, that does it for the mailbag. I want to thank all of you for, for sending those in. Keep sending them in. Uh, the more inter- They're all so good, and the better they get, the more I'll read. Uh, and it's great getting, um, great getting this kind of feedback from all of you because you're all very smart people, and you're all, you all kind of have your, your eyes and ears uh, watching what's going on. So it's great to hear what, what all of you think. <clears throat> of course, you can send again to info at informedamerican.com. All right, Ronnie, let's shift gears uh, to the one prepared topic that I had, which is a story you wrote in uh, informedamerican.com. Now, there's a font typeface that will police your words, replacing incorrect terms. Oh, man. Uh, it says, imagine, imagine typing an email, letter, text, or even a comment on social media, and as you enter your words, the device changes what you've written, much like an autocorrect. I, oh, thank you for that dystopian 
European image, Rodney. Uh, and only this time, and it's not replacing misspelled words or a garbled uh, or a garble of letters, which with what is what you thinks it intended. Uh, excuse my bad reading. Instead, the device knows exactly what you meant and replaces it with something that is politically correct. It's already here, and it's a system called Polite Type. Uh, we've got a link here. You could just go ahead and uh, go ahead and check out this store if you want to do this now. If, um, I, I don't want to say what words I <laughs> I typed into here, uh, but I I did play around with some uh, not so nice words, and they did come back uh, polite. Although uh, this, I think, is just the beginning of where this might be going, Rodney. Uh, and you end up saying, "Well, the program might be clunky today," and it is. Uh, this appears to be the next evolution of the nanny stay. Talk a little bit about this. It's, it, 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 you know, as what you read, it's really kind of depressing that somebody would put this out there um, because I don't need, uh, who needs, right? Somebody else uh, policing their language like that. <laughs> if I'm in a community, even on Informed American, right, we, we get comments back that I moderate and there are comments that I send, you know, right to the delete file. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's because they've used words or terms or, you know, implied things um, that I don't want to have up on there. And mm -hmm. so the point is every system uh, that is set up by a private citizen, private business or whatever is going to have somebody like me. They're going to have a moderator or they're going to have a moderator group. Figure out what you want ahead of time. But to say that you're going to mold people's words into something different so that's politically correct, please, just kick them back and say, you know what? Start over. Just just write it over. And because we're putting way too much effort into trying to mold people into something else instead of expending a little bit of effort saying, we're not going to do this. Go try again. <laughs> it does seem to be that way where it's uh, basically trying to rewire our brains to use uh, what uh, we just call acceptable speech. Um, but But it does... This does move into a larger topic that I know uh, many readers of Informed American feel strongly about, which is censorship. Um, and, and it does, this does give me that, that feeling in my gut, which is, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm saying the two plus two equals four, and yet the, my phone comes back five. Every time I put four, it says five. That's what this feels like. Um, and, and, you know, language, uh, policing of la language is powerful. And, and if we lose the ability to think in certain ways, then we, we lose the ability to, or, or rather to write in certain ways, we lose the ability to think in certain ways. Um, what do you make of, uh, I mean, you know, censorship is a big deal, but we've seen some moves here. Um, uh, by the Senate to maybe limit uh, some of the some of the protections that tech companies have, and that's really where the fight is, Rodney, with um, yeah. tech uh, with censorship of certain political views, particularly I would say conservative views. They feel like they're under attack, uh, being censored out of the public discourse by uh, what I would characterize as tech monopolies. What do you think of that? I think that that's a hard one uh, because we do not have a right to express our unfettered views on social media. They are private companies. We do not have a right to have our views represented in the newspaper. We don't have a right to have our views printed in letters to the editor or any of that. The only place we have a right is in our dealings with the federal government. And so the government doesn't limit your speech. You can go stand on the courthouse steps and say anything you want, short of threatening to kill someone that might be, you know, interpreted as intent to harm, right? And so um, you can say what you want there. But these companies, the problem is like Google, right? It controls 90 something percent of all searches. And so when you have a tech company that controls so much, 
they clearly control the conversation in the medium that we're all now using. Mm-hmm. And in the medium that we're using right this minute, right? People are watching video over the internet. And so this content exists at the pleasure of Google or, you know, wh- whatever platform it's working through. And I know it's Zoom that we're recording it, but still. So those companies are free to moderate this any way they want. That seems like a lot of power for just a few hands to hold uh, to control the entire discourse of the country. And, Absolutely. Uh, we- and so... To, to unwind that or unravel that is very difficult because when you move from, hey, you're not allowed to limit any speech and we're going to, you know, force that on you, you end up with something like 4chan. And for those of you who have not visited 4chan, it's supposed to be uh, the anti version of Facebook where you can say or do anything. And as you might imagine, you immediately get all the drug dealers and the pedophiles and the criminals and everything else, which is not what we're talking about here. And so when you say, well, gee, I don't want that. I only want X. Well, guess what? Now you've just created your own moderated system. Right. So I I don't pretend to have the answer to that, but I do recognize that we're going to have to deal with that because half the country feels stifled. There's no question. Half the country believes their views are not represented on social media. Yeah, and and I would say I think we have a difficulty dealing with this uh, because through for for decades I think and maybe even longer our our concept of of what censorship means at least effectively uh, maybe not not definitionally but effectively was that it was going to be an oppressive Stalinist type government that would control what you think and we have a hard time with the idea that. That same level of of uh, speech oppression would just simply be done on on a, on a corporate side, uh, and we don't quite have a language of how to deal with that. Do you agree? I agree, and I I think it's going to come down to something that's legal versus illegal, and so you know you're not allowed to um, express ideas that are illegal, right? I I don't you know pedophilia is easy because we can all see it and say that this is a horrible thing. We don't want that view expressed. Uh, the problem is then. Um, you will have this rush to make certain speech deemed illegal because it's considered code. <laughs> and, and this is, this is not idle. This is what's going on right now where things you say, things you wear, different things you might, you know, do are, are supposedly signals of some, you know, inner hate or issue. And so we're being told there are many things we cannot do or say or place would go because it implies we have this inner issue. And so that's, this is a real issue. I don't, I don't know how to solve it, but I think it's going to be walking toward that line of if it's legal, you can say any of it and they're not allowed to stop you, which, which would imply all the name calling and everything else you can do because all that's legal. Yeah. Uh, but I do think, I, th- I agree. And, uh, you know, we're not solving this in a short, short couple of minutes, but I think we're getting closer to something. Uh, and it does seem like movement is, is there. Uh, because if you don't, you know, what good, what good is your first amendment if you can't effectively exercise it? Right. Well, the, the okay. And so if you want to go there, I mean, and you just introduced the government into this again. And as I said, you have no right to free speech on social media. Um, the, the alternative would be a government-run social media platform. Now, think about that for a minute. Well, I don't want to think about that. Well, that, that is where you would have your right to free speech. <laughs> I mean, run like the right post to, office. Your right to free assembly with anybody you want. Your right to, you know, peaceable protest. Uh-huh. All those things that, that you might want are there. 
but it's run by Uncle Sam. <laughs> what about the argument that says that big tech only exists because of uh, investment and protections that the government gives them? Uh, they aren't truly independent and private. Um, you know, they didn't, in other words, they didn't build the internet or something like that. Do you, do you give any credence to that? No, every, every, every entity exists at the pleasure of the government um, because they have the right and the ability to tax you out of existence and to regulate you off the face of the planet. And so if you, if you say that's true for them, why isn't it true for the car companies? Why isn't it true for the energy companies that get subsidies from the federal government? The car companies, you know, uh, the, the chicken tax, which puts a 25% surtax on trucks from other countries, is the only reason yeah. that we have pickup trucks that cost 60000 stupid dollars, right? Yeah. Because they're protected from uh, competition. And so that, that applies to lots of things. Well, that is interesting. I mean, what if, what if, what if you can't, or, 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 okay, so let's, maybe I think a good example I've thought of, and maybe you'll tell me it sucks, but. I'll give you my opinion, Dave. Go ahead. Uh, let's move to the Second Amendment. Um, guns, okay? Let's just say, uh, you know, we have the Second Amendment in the Constitution, but for whatever reason, and I don't think this is completely unimaginable, uh, the political climate is as such that no one will sell you a gun. Do you still have a Second Amendment? You can maybe own one, but uh, the, the restrictions and uh, some of the policies that these corporations have, or they just decide, I'm not, you know, we'll say we saw this with Walmart. Let's just say it just becomes to the point where no one will sell you a gun. Do you still have a Second Amendment? Yes, you do. Uh, because the theory still exists, right? You, you still have that right to a weapon. Um, if, if, an, if some regulation was put into place that... Um, curbed people from wanting to sell you a gun, if they felt regulated out of the business, like, I don't know, a 7,000% tax on weapons or ammunition that couldn't be passed along to the consumer, and therefore it drove you out of the business selling weapons, that would clearly be a line all the way back to the Second Amendment, and you could say that they were barring you from that. And so I think it's pretty easy to say it would be difficult to, to craft something that drove people out of that business that couldn't be challenged all the way up to the Supreme Court, and hopefully you will. Well, it doesn't even have to be a regulation. There's no regulation here that that uh, that that uh, makes you know Google ban certain thought. Um, the right. political climate could be as such that anyone who opens up a gun store is harassed by, say, Antifa, and they have to close their doors, That's or uh, right. they just. We just decide that the, the, the social pressure from wherever. Uh, I mean, this is not unimaginable. You see. No. We see this no. is now. So um, what is unimaginable is that it would last long enough because what you're what we're assuming away is that the free market doesn't work. What you're assuming is there's a desire for the weapons that still exists and there's no one to sell them. And it's like, well, wait a second. The way our system works is you're free to operate any business that's legal. And so you say, well, all these people are going to show up and protest. Yeah, great. I'll do it online. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll find a way around. I will hire a bunch of armed guards and present myself as the one person taking a true stand against the Second Amendment. And believe me, if we got down to one gun store in the United States of America, I'd have an awful lot of business at my <laughs> one gun store. And so now, the point is, as long as there's the demand, the market will follow. Well, I don't know about that, Rodney, because there's a giant demand for free speech in this country. There's a, a, arguably not half the country, but close to half of the country feels like their voice isn't being heard. But yet the free market somehow doesn't do anything about that. What, where's the solution there? Well, and to your point, it's still not a government thing. And so the, the government is not out there telling you you can't do this. They don't have a hand in this one. This is several companies 
that have ex very recently. Remember Facebook? I mean, Facebook, I think, went public in 2007. Right. Google wasn't started until the late 90s. We're still in the wild west of all this. We may think it's been going on forever, but yeah. we're only talking 20 stupid years. And so we are very new into figuring this part out and how we're going to work within it. And, and my expectation is that you will see some sort of technology that allows this uh, to break open to where Google does lose their monopoly that they have on this sort of thing. Facebook does lose its monopoly. People have been, you know, moving to Instagram and Pinterest and all sorts of other things. And so I think we will come to this through a free market solution. Yeah, well, you know, I, well, I certainly hope so too. But you know, I've tried DuckDuckGo. I've tried some of this stuff, and it, to be honest, it kind of sucks. <laughs> well, there's a reason that Google has a monopoly, right? Yeah. Because it works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the change can't come fast enough, and I would like to see. Uh, I would like to see something being done. Thank and uh, my final word on this: maybe the government, if it can't uh, affect your rights negatively, maybe the government could positively uh, be essentially an advocate or a protector of some of these rights. I would like to see something like that. That. Um, any any final comments on this topic, Rodney? Yeah, I don't think we're close to an answer. I, I, I think it will be taken care of, but I, I don't see it on the horizon right now. Yeah, um, because we're we're moving the other direction. We're moving to where we are. As I said earlier, we're we're willing to see code and speech and dress and things that just makes no sense to me. And instead of taking somebody at their word and moving on, right? Yeah. See your action. I hear your word. That's it. For me to know your heart <clears> doesn't work. Uh, and so uh, I, I hope that we change that soon enough. And I think the rest will follow. I agree 100%. And I think these are important conversations uh, and important conversations that people uh, who uh, call themselves independents or, uh, you know, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, free thinking is the idea. But essentially, if you're not out there being a Stalinist and trying to silence everybody or try to change their words or creating some sort of, uh, you know, weird uh, language correction device, <laughs> <laughs> As we talked about here at informedamerican.com, I think this is these are very important topics, and uh, I certainly uh, you know free speech being able to being able to express yourself freely uh, is one of the most fundamental human rights. Ronnie, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for uh, debating this topic with me and going over the mailbag. And uh, of course, everyone here, if you're watching on Facebook, please hit the like button and share this video. If you're, and of course, comment down below. If you're watching on YouTube, we'd love it if you subscribe to this channel, like this video, comment down below. And of course, head on over to informedamerican.com, share your email. You can get uh, great stories like this one we just discussed in your inbox every day. And Rodney, uh, what can they find over at informedamerican.com? calm over the next couple of days well i mean i don't think that the skinny bill is going to go anywhere and so we're really going to be talking about that but it's going to be about the polls and it's going to be as we get closer to the election the fact that biden is showing some strength in the battleground states and i know everybody has their opinion on polls and who gets <laughs> counted and who doesn't but we're getting awfully close to the election and he's still showing some pretty good strength in areas like michigan so it's it's something to watch uh, we sure are. And uh, actually, uh, you know, not, uh, what is it? The first debate is on the 29th. Yep. Uh, so we're coming up on that just, you know, two, three weeks away from there. Uh, and that's when, uh, I mean, I think that's when, isn't that traditionally when when the, the Joe Sixpack starts paying attention? Or do you think maybe he's paying attention a little early? I think he's paying attention a little early because, frankly, we're all stuck in our houses with nothing <laughs> else to do. So I, I think people have been paying attention all summer.
Well, while you're stuck in your house, you've got great entertainment like these two guys, uh, you know, yelling at each other about free speech and talking about voter ID and all that stuff. So I want to thank you all for watching. For Rodney Johnson, I'm Dave Oakenquist telling you to get informed, America. You've been listening to Get Informed, America, brought to you by the Informed American Radio Network. Please like and subscribe today in order to get new exclusive weekly episodes. Any questions, thoughts, or comments can be sent directly to info at informedamerican.com. And don't forget to visit informedamerican.com to keep up with real, smart news. Until next time, fight fake news and find common ground.